0: How good Israeli security is. <laughs> okay, and there's like there's things to learn from it, and then we'll learn inside a little bit. So, I'm in Israel. I'm trying to lose my stomach. For those people who are listening and not watching, Baruch Hashem, I have a stomach. And um, but I'm trying, I'm trying to. I've tried to evict it for a long time. Does not like lives in New York. Can't evict anybody here. And what am I gonna do anyway? So um, I'm eating a lot of fruits and vegetables. So I need a knife. I need a knife. So I go into uh, a, into the shuk in Machane um, Yehuda because that's where we were staying. And I walk into the local little store. It's so interesting, because in America, you go into a regular store and you tell somebody you want a knife, but you don't want to bring it to the mikvah, so you need a knife that's okay not to go to the mikvah. The guy in the store doesn't know what you're talking about. What's a mikvah? What are you talking about? But over in the Shuk, the guy knows everything about that. So he brings out, he says, no problem. He has a knife for me that doesn't need to go to the mikvah. Because remember, on, on, on issues of metal, or glass, it has to be both manufactured by a Jew and sold only by Jews. So even if it's being sold by Jews in Israel, if it was made in China or Indonesia or whatever, right, so then you still have to bring it to the make It's got to be both. So I can't have ever been a uh, non-Jew in the middle process as far as I know. Anyway, so he gives me a knife. And it's a ceramic knife. So that's even better. The knife cuts really well. It's a nice knife. And I'm happy. I forgot about the knife. I'm at the airport. I take off my belt. You know, it's a crazy thing. In Israel, you don't have to take off the shoes. You have to take off the belt. Whatever. So, you get off the belt. I do everything. Now, my, my suitcase isn't coming out. It's not coming out so fast. All of a sudden, it's this, this little lady, you know, you know, this Israeli little ladies with big mouths, little ladies and big mouths, like 104 a hundred and four pounds. And she says to me, give me your passport. I said, okay, you got my passport. I know what she wants. She takes my passport. And she says to me, is that your suitcase? I said, yeah, she says, open it now. She puts her hand in and she and she pulls the knife out. It's crazy, like the, she was able. It was ceramic. It wasn't metal. And she knew exactly where it was. It wasn't like she said, hey, "There's something there. We have to take the bag." But no, nah, she knew exactly where it was. And she takes it out. And she says, uh, "What is this?" <laughs> <laughs> And I said, uh, you can throw it away if you want. And she said, I'm throwing it right now. <laughs> Baruch, Hashem. Baruch Hashem. Baruch Hashem. It's a good thing they didn't lock me up. You know, they could have put me away in, in, the, in the pokey. The gave you it's not Russia or Iran, Yeah, she could have held my passport also. Yeah. They could have they given me a lot of aggravation. He could have kept me there for twenty four hours. What about those Mishigayim that they left their kid? You read about this? Yeah. Did you? Yeah. I don't even understand what the law. <laughs> you need to buy a ticket for your kid. No. <laughs> okay, we'll just leave him here. <laughs> what? See, what? I can understand. What happened. A, they were getting on, a plane, Green. Were getting on a plane to They were going to Brussels, Belgium, Belgium, and they didn't have a ticket for the kids. <laughs> just left the kids. <laughs> He's tried, he tried to, they weren't having it, He trying to, like $26 a yeah. the ticket, they didn't have didn't really... the money. To me, the strange part of that story, and how, again, you could leave this on or you can just have me killed by the woke police. <laughs> I, 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 under, I don't understand, but I could see it happening that a guy would leave the kid there. <laughs> But that the or the wife would leave the kid, but they're both mother and father. I never heard of such a thing. That one of them didn't say we should take him along. Maybe sure. it's pretty. It's really pretty crazy. Anyway, so the first thing we're going to do in this week's parsha there's a lot. There's a lot because I really want to go through an amazing. I started last time, and we never got into it. the The story, the life, and some interesting pieces about Rabbi Eliezer been herkeness. We touched. I was about to do it and we just didn't have the time. So I want to make sure we do that today. But I'm going to do a, just a drop on this week's Parsha. In this week's Parsha, there's, uh, we have um, you know, the Kriya the Suv. And there's a Pasuk which says, This is my God and I'm going to glorify I'm going to glorify Hashem. So I just want to read the Gemara. And we could talk about the Gemara a little bit. It's a few lines. If you want, you could follow. If you don't want to follow, don't follow. But I made enough copies for everybody, if you want. There's, uh, on, the, on the first page, there's like a little dot on the side. In the middle it says, Titania, as we learned. This is my God, and I will glorify Him. What does that mean, I'm going to glorify Hashem? We know this, but I just wanted to show it inside. He's in the front of the that We're talking about, when it comes to mitzvahs, you should make the mitzvahs beautiful. You should make the mitzvahs beautiful. There's a thing about making every mitzvah beautiful. I say the fun of Sukkot naya. You should make a nice sukkah. When I grew up in Connecticut, there were people who used to make the sukkah out of old carpets. And we used to have this type of, instead of schach, you know, like what do people use today? In New York, anyway. We use bamboo mostly, I think. Bamboo. That's mats, bamboo. When I grew up in Connecticut, there were two types. There were the wealthy people. They used to use evergreen and... You know the um uh, what's the other the christmas trees pine. Are, are pine pine evergreen you know which is really nice it's it's really nice and then there were those people we're not going to say who let's so say you can't see this can't say who but we used to go to the marsh the swamp and cut these reeds that were called loco weeds because if the animals ate it they went crazy mm-hmm. and, it, and it would rain little pieces would fall into the soup do you know what I'm talking about anyway <laughs> that's not the way to go it's not the way to go you gotta make a nice sukkah gotta make a nice sukkah In Baruch Hashem, we have companies that charge a lot of money so this way we can have nice sukkahs, right <laughs> so it so, says so, so over here so you have to make yourself a nice sukkah then he says, Noah. you should have a beautiful, beautiful lulav. You know, even if it costs a lot of money. Or maybe dafka. But it's like an interesting phenomenon. You would think that, what does God care? I mean, when you think about it, every it's always like that about everything. What does God care if you take a lulav, or you take a you take a lemon, or you take a, a citron, a lul, an esrog, or whatever? God, this is the halacha." Somebody asked the Lubavitcher Rebbe that, and the Rebbe said that, that, that it's not for Hashem; it's for us. So these are pathways that it, that cause us to be able to reach spirituality. Like if I would go to a dentist, and the dentist, I said, this 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 tooth is hurting me, and this is the tooth. After the dentist takes X-rays, he finds that This is the tooth. And instead of pulling out this tooth, he pulls this tooth, which has no connection whatsoever to anything. You know, because you got to follow the path that's going to be helpful, right? Not hurtful. But you would say, "But why does that have to be pretty?" Okay, I got to make a sukkah, so make a make a sukkah out of cray paper. You know, something I don't know. Then he says, no got to get yourself a beautiful chauffeur." Titzis noah. go buy yourself a nice pair of blue tights. safer Torah noah. Now we're talking about spending a little money here. Do you know how much a safety costs right now? How much? Um, 80, eighty. Went up to eighty. And when I bought the Sefetora, it was um, it was five six years ago. It was fifty four thousand. And uh, that it wasn't the lowest price, but it wasn't the highest. It was like an average. It's really going up. That's Gotta gross. buy a know now. Mm-hmm. Because of you need to have to use good ink, not cheapo ink from from Target. You need good ink over here. The commonest and you have to use a really nice pen. You know, that's that's one approach. That's why we buy beautiful mezuzas and we do everything we can because of Zechel v'Yambeu. This is our God, and we're going to glorify everything we can. You know, but that's that's one angle of mitzvahs. Look at what happens. Now skip a line, and look at it. It <laughs> says, Abishol, Omer. Abishol takes the same idea, the same pasuk, but he uses it categor, ca- categorically in a different way. He says, again, he says, Van what does that mean when you have to glorify God? Hevedomilo. You should be like God. It was the first approach which we follow is make the mitzvahs nice. If you want to make a kiddish for Shabbos, make it make a kiddish. I had a lot of fights with my wife. By the way, I want you to know a big McCupi was one of the disagreements. I don't disagreements, but I'm not cheap. I used to be as a kid, I used to be cheap. And I didn't like it. And I broke my meat up because I didn't like being a cheap person, but I was was born a cheap person, but I got rid of that. So the kiddish, there's certain components which are very expensive, and some components are not so bad. So the cholt is very expensive. Why is the cholt so expensive, you might ask? Uh-huh. It's not the beans. It's not the beans. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> it's because no. If Zakatinsky as as me was gonna be making the kiddish, I would get the you know, the package that says chalk meat and with a big sale sign on it. Mm-hmm. Because to me, like, why would you spend more money on the meat? I've asked that to my wife many a time. And I found out according to her, I don't eat meat anyway, I don't like meat, but apparently I mean, we buy the most expensive Flankin that they make, seriously. And if you put five pieces of in and each one is about $30 a piece right now, so that comes out to a lot of money. But that's the idea. If you're going to do a mitzvah, you do it nigh. You do it nice. You do it well. Of course, there's a balance. You always have to make on everything. Rav Pam, your, yeah, I guess your sister's grandfather, grandfather in law, yeah. Yeah. he's a big tzaddik. He, the first year that we had in your day, I want you to hear this. this, is, this I said this over many a time, but it's a, has, it, was, it was really a very profound statement. He said that whenever you're strict about one thing, that, whenever you're strict about one thing, by definition, you're being li- lenient about something else. There's no such thing as being strict about one thing without it having an effect. A co- there's a co- an effect that you're going to be lenient about something else. It doesn't uh, w- Whatever it is, never have Pom said. It. That doesn't mean that you shouldn't be strict. You just have to be aware that there's a cause and effect if for example you're strict about eating halal right let's make believe you are so then you're being liberal about or or being lenient about f- having more pleasure on this world and you're supposed to have pleasure from what god creates cuz hagindas Or Edie, whatever the brand is. We're not going to push any brand now. But whatever the brand Carvel is tastes better than Lieber's ice cream. There is no Lieber's ice cream. But you know what I'm talking about. It doesn't taste the same. Okay, number one. Number two, I don't know if you looked at the prices recently. But Chalav ice cream is rather expensive. <laughs> and that money could be used for tzedakah or for buying more cholent. I don't know, whatever. But there's a balance. So what you're doing is by being more strict by having Chalav or milk, if you go with milk, Chalav doesn't last. Stuff gets spoiled right away. Why does it get spoiled right away? Who knows? That's one of those questions like where the socks go. <laughs> But uh, but it does, but it does. So nobody's saying that you shouldn't be strict about Chol of But you got to know that there's a there's a cost on everything. So my wife has decided that we're going to, and that when it comes to chalk we're going to go out, you know, and for the Kiddush and everything. But this is an issue that we always have to make that balance between. And every, that we're doing, ba- we're making balancing acts all day long. By the way, we're having a big party on Sunday night. Do you know that? Do we know that? tubish five party? Moranis? I don't like Morani. I don't, I don't like meat. Yeah. Huh? Like so you should come back. We're having, we're having Moranis meat and we're going to have figs. <laughs> so you have business. <laughs> 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 Got to keep the business going, you know what I mean? So keep it up. Okay. So so again, so Abba Shaul, Omer, Abba Shol says that don't look at the Zekele that this is my God and I'm going to glorify him. Don't look at it from the the angle of the mitzvah being a um, a physical entity and therefore I mean, obviously he would agree with that, but but don't look at it as being focused on on buying a nice sefer, you know, a new edition of a, of a pretty book or you know whatever it might be, but rather look at it from the angle of being domelo, be like, be godlike, mahu rahum v'chanu chanu v'rahum. Just like he is merciful and pitiful and on you know, human beings, so also, so also, we should be the same way, meaning that when a poor person, the Rambam quotes this and says that when a poor person comes to you, you should give them, you know, in in a respectful. Ze the mitzvah of, of glorifying God's commandments granted it works on the physical but at the same time you should translate that into your midos when it comes to poor people or you know like when you're going to uh, let's say uh, a wedding like dance up a storm. Give it give it all you got for the people. do for the other people, the same idea of Zekeliyah and Vehu. you know. Uh, the, I I once met the Chavetz Chaim's daughter. I know you know the Chavetz Chaim's second wife is buried here in Queens. Do you know that? On the right, on the Jackie, uh, in Mount uh, Mount Judah the Cemetery. where Palm is buried. Rav Palm is buried there also. Yeah, so <clears throat> so. So the first time, second wife was buried here. So I met the second wife's daughter. Or maybe it was the first wife's daughter, I don't know. I met his daughter when she was a very old lady before she died. And I asked her if she could tell me something about her mother. And she told me that her mother had had a policy that when poor people came, she would try to give them... um, she tried to give them new clothes if they were poor. Because she said, everybody likes to have something new. You know, not, you know, not, yeah, I know that we collect clothes for poor people. We had a coat drive. Okay, you need a coat, right? You need a coat. But it's nicer when the coat is like off the rack and, you know, it's brand new versus even a nice coat like yours, you know. It's, it's it's not the same. It's not the same. Okay, so that was the uh, that was the first piece I wanted to go over. The next thing I wanted to do, I, I was gonna go. I'll tell you where I was jumping from. I'm gonna do the jump outside so we can learn it inside, because it's actually very 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 interesting. It says in this week's parsha that um, Moshe tells Yoshua. I'll read it to the inside. That Moshe tells Yoshua that he should go and get men to go fight against Amalek. So we have the war against Amalek. So the Russian is by er Moshe al Yoshua, he says to Yoshua, Bachar Lanu, get for us. He he doesn't say get me. The normal reaction when you talk to a student, you usually say if you want the student to get something, you say, get me. He didn't say that. He said, "Get us." He made he had respect for Yoshua on the same level as he had respect for himself. That's that's where the Gemara learns that a, a rebbe should have as much respect for a student as he has for himself. The Gemara then tells over a very interesting story in Erevin that there was once a person. I'll just say it outside his name was Rabbi Preda prayed there was an Amora. and prayed there had a student who probably was very learning disabled and uh, he would have to teach him every whatever he learned with him. He had to teach him 400 times for it to, to go in. you know it's a lot for to, to say teach some somebody something for 400 times is a long a lot And one day, It didn't work it didn't work we're afraid that did whatever he was teaching 400 times didn't work so we're afraid to ask the uh, the student what is different between today and yesterday and every other day and the student said I heard that somebody had come to you and asked you to do a mitzvah and you said after this year and every moment that you were teaching, I was thinking that you're going to leave. He was distracted, total ADD, right? He's totally distracted. So Rapreda said, "I will teach it to you again four hundred times, and I will not go anywhere until everything is is taken care of." For that, uh, there was a basco that came out and. And said that in this course, because of how you acted, you have two choices: you either live 400 years, or everybody in your generation has olam haba. So you know what he said, because we would say 400. We would say 400 years, right? But he said that he wanted everybody to have olam haba. So Hakadosh Baruch Hu said, Master Universe said. You get both four hundred years and the whole generation of Olam Haba. That's the Gemara in Arufin. So I was going to jump off from over there into the famous story of Rabbi Eliezer ben Harkinas. Rabbi Eliezer ben Harkinas was one of the rabbis of Rabbi Akiva. He lived during the time of destruction of the Beit Hamikdash. He was a Shamuti, which means that he was from the side of Shammai. Well, still a lot of times when we when we learn you know we don't always know which position we don't think about it but rabbi akiva was from the side of hillel and this person rabbi of herkins was a he was on the Shammai side of the, of the world he lived to almost a 100 years and he was an amazing amazing great tzaddik in character um He was a contemporary of Rabbi Yoshua, who is a contemporary, basically, I believe, of of Bayechai time period. But we're talking about major big people. He's buried in Tveria, uh, right next to the Rambam, on the bottom. I was just there going around over there, so that's what it seems like. So we have two things that we're going to learn from. The first thing, and we can do the order. You'll tell me what you guys want to do. The first, well, the, of the two, you have an amazing Gemara which talks about uh, how he has a big fight with all the all the big hum of his time period. And he's also put into excommunication because of it because he doesn't back off. And it's very fascinating how Torah works. And we're going to do that even if we have to do it real fast. We're going to do it tonight. And then there's the beginning of his life, an autobiography. Okay? So it's only two and a half pages long. And I love that. You know, you've done it with me, I think, once, the autobiography. Okay, so he wrote, this is written by Rabbi, by Rabbi Elias ben Um it's, a, it's an amazing safer. And you can learn it. Like, it's really, in Hebrew, is very, relatively easy. You know? So we're going to do it. If you want to follow, you're, you're welcome. It has no In the one that I have, it has the so it makes it a little easier. Okay? So we're going to read it through quickly. But you're going to get a real picture of who this person was. Mice of Rabbi Eliezer Ben-Hurknis. Rabbi Eliezer ben Herknes is the one who's writing this but he's writing it like in third person, like this is a story about Eliezer ben Herkenes, even though it's about himself. Maisab Rabbi Eliezer ben Herkenes, this is the story of Rabbi Eliezer ben Herkenes. Again, he lived during the time of the... But he lived during the time of the destruction of the Beis so it's 2,000 years ago. Shohayel Aviv Khorshim, his uh, father was a wealthy, very wealthy man, as you, and he had... Um Horshim are like are fields. For your got And there were people who were they had they were uh what's it called? They were fields and they were plowing the land. But they gave him an area to plough that did not have fruit trees. So he was given like a, like a place to work, which was like a, a, a grade B area. So even though he's the boss's kid, he's not getting the top area to work in. Okay. So he sits down and he starts to cry. You'll see that that's a lot of the story is that he's crying a lot. So he sits down and he cries. So his father says to him, why are you crying? Maybe you're upset. Because you're plowing in an area where the produce doesn't grow. In other words, I gave you a bad place to work, you know? So I'll give you a better area to plow. I'll give you, you know, so you'll be you'll feel better. So he was sitting on the well. And what's he doing? He is crying. The father says to him, Why are you crying? I just changed your job. You just got a uh, a job, uh, what's it called? Um, increase. You got a, you know, a raise, a, a position change. So he says, Are you still upset that you're, you're just working in the plowing in the fields? Or maybe you want to work, I guess, in the office or whatever. He says, No, the kid, Eliezer Ben Hurgen, says, No, that's not why I'm crying. So he says, So the father says, so Why are you crying? I want to learn Torah. That's why I'm crying. So the father says, Listen to from the father's statement. You you get perspective of who he is. He says, You're 28 years old. And you want to learn Torah now? You're 28 freaking years old. Ella, you know what you should do? Anybody who's single has heard this line before. Kach isha, get married. the and get have kids. and then you bring them to school and then they'll learn. But you stop it. You get up and stop. Be an adult. Go to work. Be an accountant. Any accountants here? Any here? You're, you're almost an accountant. You're not again. Any accountants here? Good. Is I love accountants. Anyway, also, <laughs> I was going to say something. I'm not. Also, because I'm, I'm not trusting. Also, for Tom for two weeks he didn't eat. Until Elio came to and appeared to him, you understand, he reached such a level of purity because he was so sincere. And his fasting, because he was so sincere. Eli, he, he had Gilo Elio. So Elio says, Ben herkinis. why are you crying? Again, crying. Shanim he says, Because I want to learn Torah. By the way, you see this a little bit, I don't want to say extremism here. Different than Rabbi Akiva. Rabbi Akiva, who's sitting by the, you know, who's married, right? sits by the well sees the water dripping and says that i also can learn if the water can break or break a rock then i can which is soft then i can go with my head might be hard but i will also be able a slightly different style below, so okay so i so a so elio says to him if you really want to learn torah go up to Jerusalem, you get up, to go and straight to, Elio, to, to Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai. In other words, Eliyahu is telling him, don't go and get yourself a little malamed, you know, on the corner. Don't go into the local yeshiva in the area and have somebody teach you Aleph bays. No, 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 no. You go straight to and ben Zakkai, the leader of the Jewish people, the head of everything, you go straight to him and you say, I want to learn Torah. That's what you do. You want to become great? You go to the top. Ahmad, so what does he do? Ben Zaka. He gets up, goes straight. It's like, imagine somebody walking into the 770 with, you know, 10,000 people there walking over to the Rebbe and saying, uh, I don't know how to read Hebrew. Can you please teach me? That that's That's what... That's what we're talking about, you know, or to Moshe Feinstein. No, that's what you're talking about. So he stands in front of Yochanan ben Zakkai and he's crying. So Yochanan ben Zakkai says to him, So like, like, why are you crying? Because I want to learn Torah. ben miata. He said, Who are you? What's your family name? He didn't want to tell him. Because uh, ben Hurkan, his father, Hirkinus, was one of the wealthiest Jews in Israel. And he didn't want to get special treatment. But rather, he wanted to, you know, make it on his own. So he didn't want to say anything. So Rabbi Yochan ben Zake says to him, Did you ever learn Shema? Yeah, do you know how to say Shema? Or the Davin or Birchasam Muslim. Do you know any of that? That's like, it's very simple for in Israel where they spoke Hebrew. Shema, Birchasam, you know, and, and benching, and, and Shmon Ezra. he said, I don't know how to do any of that. I'm 28 years old. I don't know how to say Shema. That's that's, that's Elias and Ben Hurkinus. Amelo, so at that point, and this is like, if you think about it, think about the greatness. Of Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai, he said, "Almat v'alam dacha shloshtom." He said, "Stand up and I'll teach you all three. You know, he's teaching the beginning. Yoshe v'ho'yah bocha again. Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai, emem slay. The husband heard he crying. Amalo benimi bnei mat bocha. Why are you crying? Amalo shani vaki Torah. Because I want to learn Torah. V'ho'yah lo shne So he taught him two halachas for the whole week. Every day, and then he reviewed it. Let's let's skip a, a bit because I want to make sure we get to everything. Let's let's go to the chapter number two. It, the the theme just continues that he's crying the whole time. He's not eating, and eventually he gets a big bracha from uh, from Rav Yochanan ben Zakkai that he's going to make it. Amru bano shel be him. So is other children. Say to his father, You know what? Go up to Jerusalem and excommunicate your son who ran away. He should not be part of the family inheritance. Okay? And he goes there. When he gets there, it's the birthday of Rabbi Yochan and ben Zakkai. And there's a big party. And everybody's at this big party. So the story goes, who was there? There was Ben Sitzis Akases. There was Nachdimian Ben-Gurion and ben Kalba Savuah. ben Kalba Savua is Rabbi Akiva's father-in-law. Okay? So you get all the wealthy people are at this big party. Okay? Let me just skip here. I'll draw. So all of a sudden, Amrulo, Aviv Shal Rabbi at that point, when Rabiezer when Hercanus walks in, everybody says, Oh, that's Eliezer's father. To me, meantime, remember. Herkinus, the father came to ex- to to, to uh, excommunicate his son yeah, from the inheritance to knock him out of it. Amrullahama So they all said, Listen, gotta give him place. His son is Rabbi Eliezer you got to give him a place to sit. At that point, uh, the story goes that Rabbi Elchanan ben Zakkai uh, said uh, that Rabbi Eliezer ben Herkenech should speak. He didn't want to speak. He felt that, who is he? But finally, he does get up and he speaks. And at this point, I'm just skipping down, it says over here, Amr Herkinis. Herkenes. so Herkenes says, L'mi me because everybody is praising this new up-and-coming star. So Herkenes says, Who are they talking about? Amr Eliezer Bincha. They, he, they say to him, It's your son. Your son has become the superstar. Amr Ham. So he says to everybody, You should say, Happy am I that I came here. At that point, Elias ben Harkinas, the father, decided to give all of his money to Elias ben Harkinas, and Elias. So it just switched itself around. Okay, I know I went over that a little faster than I wanted to at the end, but you got the picture. So now we're gonna do, because we're gonna do it real fast. We're gonna do the famous, famous Gemara known as the Tanur Achnoi which means there w- there was a um, an oven that the Chachamim had a big discussion about whether it was pure or impure. The re- reasons don't matter for now, but this was a very, very big disagreement between the chacham. On one side you had Rabbi Eliezer Ben-Harkis. He felt that, I believe he felt that it was Tahar. And on the other side you have everybody else they felt it was Tommy. we have a pasuk in the torah which is which means you go by the majority rule he refused to give in he was convinced that he was right he was very convinced that he was right and that's where the gemara begins over here on the top of the page if you want to follow it's the last piece over here it says over here this is uh, this is a reference to the um, the oven called achnoi which means a snake because the people were talking the rabbis were talking about these laws just like a snake wraps itself around a, uh, an object, so also the words of the rabbis were wrapped around this object. Okay. Okay. Heishiv Rabbi called Chuva Rabbi Eliezer responded to everything that the rabbi <coughs> said, the lo kiblu and they didn't accept what he said. It was whatever he said. All his arguments, they just absolutely refused. So Rabbi Eliezer says to all the other rabbis, if the halacha is like me, if I am right, this carob tree will prove the fact. The carob tree flew away 100 amas. That's, hundred amas is 300 feet. So he says, if the halacha is like me, that carob tree is going to prove it. And that carob tree flies away. A hundred amas. So they say, amas. Um, so the rabbi said, may be in raim minacharub. You know what? Carob trees don't prove halacha. They don't listen to it. Amalahem. Um, rabbi Eliezer says, you know what? If the halacha is like me, then this river, this little like spring whatever, will prove that I'm right. The water went backwards. Water doesn't go backwards. The water went backwards. That was a proof that the halacha was like Rabbi Eliezer. Amrullah So the rabbi said, you know what? We don't listen to well water, river water going backwards. That doesn't prove anything. Okay? So then he says, Eliezer says, If the halacha is like me, then the walls of the midrash are going to prove. At that point, the walls of the base of the base of Medrash started coming to fall in, but they stopped because of respect for Rabbi Yeshua. At that point, at that point, Rabbi Eliezer says his last line: "If the law is like me, then from heaven." it's going to be proven that I'm correct. Yotzah Baskol, a heavenly voice, came out, the Umrah and said, "Malucham Eitzel Rabbi Eliezer. What are you bothering Rabbi Eliezer? Halacha kamosam makom. Halacha is like Rabbi Eliezer in every instance. Meaning, Rabbi Eliezer was so, so, so confident that he was right. He was bringing proofs. And it would look supernaturally like he was right, because the waters were going backwards, the walls were coming in, a voice came out from heaven. That should have been enough, but it wasn't. Ahmad Rabbi Iliazah, Rabbi Yeshua al Raglov, Rabbi Yeshua stood up on his feet and he said, Lobashamayami, the laws are not in heaven. Laws, the Torah laws are relegated on this earth. Torah law is based that we have the Torah ready and if we have a question I had a, I had a situation last year where there was a, a, a woman who I spoke to you about this she had Siamese twins and she wanted to know, she wanted to have an abortion I went to Rabbi to one rabbi and that rabbi said he can't give a heter, but he told me who I should go to. And I went to that other rabbi who said that she should have an abortion. Okay? That's on this earth. A v- heavenly voice. If there would be a heavenly voice that would say, you know, Rabbi Zakatinsky, she should have an abortion. You can't listen to that. Torah Loba shemaim, The Torah is not in heaven. It's on this earth. It's over here. That's what this Gemara is saying over here. So Rabbi Yochala might have been right. He might have been right. But it doesn't matter. Majority rule said that he was wrong. And that's what matters. But he didn't accept that. He wouldn't accept that. He just wouldn't accept it. So somebody here is going to say that he once heard that there was a disagreement between Shammai and Hillel. And there was a heavenly voice that said that hillel the halacha follows hillel did you ever hear of that well now you did so Tosfos explains that that heavenly voice that came out wasn't saying that the halacha was like hillel the issue was that hillel had more numbers Shammai was sharper do you say so to speak that every Shammai is worth two hillels and because they were sharper and that's what the voice the heavenly voice was saying no 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 we go by the majority rule which is the following hillel we go by the majority rule that's so it's a fascinating story if you ever have time pits on 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 daf nuntas on the days where you go through and you see this is really very important when we think about how we live our lives Where we follow the the halacha, because after all, what if there's a mistake, right? What if there's a mistake? It doesn't matter. That's the point. Because I mean, that's what the Tosas about it. But there's a lot of um, a lot of halacha on this. You know, you can you can understand it. Anyway, it's (coughs) eleven. So I think it makes sense over here that a little bit further that uh, it says that Eliyahu, <laughs> what the met and said, "What's going on in Shammai, right? and It says that it says that Eliyahu said that God said, which means, "My children have won." What that means is, and Tulsa says this, that means is. That we follow the Halakha. we follow the ruling that God gave us at Mount Sinai, and we don't, we don't, even if it looks like there's a heavenly voice, and it looks like there's all sorts of things happening, we don't listen. We follow. We follow the uh, Halakha the way it was given to us. Yeah. Well, wow.